I'm just always worried I have like a booger showing. And I have to like use my monitor. I think I'm clear. I think I'm clear. All right. So it probably now, would help with viewer retention. You think? Everyone just can't stop staring at it. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be the case. Um, all right, let's do this thing. <clears throat> Did you have your raw beef liver? No. I eat no. sugar cereal and french fries. That's not for me. You would, wouldn't you? You're just like... Just such a little kid. I got some peanuts. <laughs> and some gumballs? Those gumballs are nasty. <laughs> you do not want to eat those. <laughs> Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Man vs. World, where we, well, we look at how screwed up the world is, and uh, we hopefully offer you a, a bit of a heartening, uh, sanity-inducing, hope-inspiring take on things. Uh, joining me today, as always, is uh, Pete. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm ready to dive into these topics here. I'm coming to you live today from Colorado Springs, and... Boy, it's cold, but it's okay. We're going to make it through. <laughs> nice. Um, you're always traveling, aren't you? How, so how long do we have for you still to be uh, in a van? I'll probably be in a studio next week. Studio next week. You said it's like also going to be like half a garage too? No, not that one. That That's a different studio. Okay. No, it'd be hilarious if you actually, like you had that studio there, but you still chose to uh, show up inside a car <laughs> in the van in the studio yeah no I, i'm done with this get me out of here okay well so all right what do we got here today um we've got a i've got a bunch of really cool uh interesting stuff here i think to look at um but let me actually move my notes over here so i'll be able to see them okay so what's the first thing we got here today pete so let's dive into <coughs> the thing that everybody's been talking about and I'm sorry almost to bring this up, guys, but yeah. we have to talk about it because um, it's just it's it's just too much of an opportunity. I mean, the, the Will Smith slap. Let's let's dive in here. So, Mark, what's your oh, take on this? Oh, God. Um, well, first of all, I have to I feel like I have to explain why I'm talking about this, like right off the bat, because uh, this is just such like tabloid, like bullshit kind of stuff. It's just like, Mark, why are you? Are you really, is this the stuff you're going to be reacting to? It's like, well, let me, let me actually break this down. Cause there's something more important here at play than just whatever, you know, these, you know, rich people did to each other and whatnot. The thing that I want to talk about actually is the high level media strategy of what I think is going on. Because basically like, I think that that slap was totally fake and staged. I'm definitely not the only person who thought that. I mean, here, I think we can let's just watch it. You can tell me what you think. You know who's got the hardest job tonight? Oh, now, if I don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> oops, here it is. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's that seemed very fake to me. Hold on, hold on. Run it back. Let's take this frame by frame. 
Okay. Look where the spotlight is. Well, the spotlight should be on him. He is. Back it up. Back it up. Back it up, though. What? Okay. <laughs> Would you say Chris Rock is in the middle of that spotlight right now? Well, yeah, he's supposed to be. Back, back it up more. Why? <laughs> Richard! <laughs> he's walking forward, and then he leans forward. Yeah. With I... his hands behind his back. Conspiracy. <sighs> I don't know if that's it. It's more just like he might have even slapped him. I just think it was I think it was just an entirely staged thing. Um, that's what yeah. I think. You know, I mean, it looked like it was like pre-rehearsed and whatnot. But the thing that's not what matters. That's not what I want to talk about, Pete. Okay. Okay, sorry. Um <laughs> What sorry. I want to talk about with this stupid slap thing is that I think the the media are trying to like, you know, they're the Oscars are down like some insane percentage. Like no one watches them anymore because they're garbage and no one cares. Um, and I think that what they're trying to do is just manufacture drama to hook your brain. And what they're doing is taking a page out of like WWE wrestling where they just, you know, have this staged conflict because they know people will talk about it. Right. And you want to be impervious to this kind of bullshit manipulation because I think that this is going to become a mainstay now. I mean, it's always kind of been a part of media culture and whatnot and, and celebrity culture where they manufacture drama and whatnot. But I think it's going to become more and more of a set piece to things, um, probably on the political realm as well. It's just like when people realize, oh, these stage sort of things, they get clicks. Um, that's like where the whole Jesse Smollier thing like came from Smollett or however you say his last name. It's like, he's like, Oh, this kind of stuff gets clicks. And so this is just going to become more and more of what happens. Now, the problem is by default, this kind of shit sort of is interesting. Like even us like talking, like, you know, even Pete got sucked in there for a second over whether it was, you know, fake or not. Um, you know, and, and I did too the first time I saw it. And then it's like you hear the story around it. It's like, well, uh, you know, they're making fun of his wife and his wife's got alopecia. And then it's like, oh, how dare he? And it's like, well, his wife sleeps with a bunch of other dudes too. And it's like, wait a second, what? It's like the the drama and the intrigue, you know, where there's a natural part of our brain that wants to understand, well, what's happening here? What's the beef? Who's Who's in the wrong? That sort of thing. By default, it is just enticing to your brain for most people. You know, some people, they just they couldn't care less. And congrats to you. But like chances are it's like, yeah, that's stupid celebrity stuff. No, that won't get me. Meanwhile, he listens to like three hours of talk radio about sports and the drama between sports players and their coaches and shit like that. It's like, you know, we're all susceptible to some kind of drama. And I think what we're going to find is that um, the people who are less <laughs> about providing real value, the more they will be about providing this sort of bullshit, sort of distraction, titillation sort of thing. And it's just going to be harder and harder to keep yourself uh, disconnected from it because they're just going to keep upping the antics and things are going to get wilder. And they're going to, you know, like the people who write Hollywood movies, you know, the writers who make the series that you love, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they aren't soon employed to help stage shit like this. Like, why not? Really? Like, if like a movie, if a movie star can get their, their name brought up to a massive level of prominence by writing 
uh, you know, juicy storylines and drama for them, like why wouldn't they do that, right? It's just going to be the new way that the game's played. It's like the next level. And so how do you keep yourself sane and focused on what's ma- what matters to you and not get drawn into this stuff? I think it's kind of just like you have to keep sight of like what the magician's trick is here. It's that it's all fake. And even if it's not, assume that it is. Because if you do that, if you assume it's all staged, um, well, then what you're getting is you're getting a like magician up on this on the stage, like doing something for you, like making it doing a trick, but you already know how the trick is performed, right? When you're watching a magic act and you don't know what the trick is, it's like, oh, whoa, how did you do that? Um, but when you already know how the trick works, you're just like, nah, okay. And you kind of want to spoil it for the people next to you. But, uh, you know, if you know, usually you don't. But here's a, kind of a scenario where you want to. I'm trying to spoil the trick for you. It's all made up. It's all manufactured. And it's just designed to get an emotional rise out of you. And if you notice that, if you acknowledge that, it's going to have far less sway over your life and you're going to be able to disengage from it and just ignore it and then just go back to doing the things that actually serve you. And so it's not so much about this one instance so much as this one instance highlights a trend that already exists and is just going to become more and more and more extreme. And so you got to be on guard for it or else um, you're just going to be way more distracted than you want to be. You just made a really interesting point that hadn't occurred to me. This industry is the industry that gives us all of like this super high level entertainment. Right. They're going to be capable of some wild stuff. And I think, and on a serious note, I honestly think that this was, this was a trick that they pulled because the ratings were crap. Right. I mean, it's, it's literally like the movie awards. That's like what it is. It's like, oh, you don't think Will Smith can act? <laughs> Of course he can. Obviously, he's an he's an extremely good actor. You don't think he could like be outraged on his wife's behalf? I mean, like, listen, maybe it even was real. Let's say it even was. Um, it doesn't matter because people are going to see how much attention he got for this, and they're going to try and manufacture it themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. Well, now that that tabloid issue has been dealt with sufficiently, let's move on. This is an interesting, um, an interesting video. It kind of reminds me of like, have you ever seen that trick where you like do this with your nose and it like trips out your brain into thinking like your middle finger is your index finger? Have you ever tried that? I think it's something like that. Anyway, this is very similar, but I think it kind of relates to pornography and how it's, why it's able to be used, but check this out. So this dude's fake hand is there where he can see it. And then he's got a real hand where he can't see it. Okay, so he's got a fake hand. That we're going to do today is I'm going to train your brain to believe that this hand, this arm, is your arm. You see, we've got this divider here. Is that PewDiePie? So right now you can kind of see your arm. You see like drug addicted PewDiePie. Part of your arm. Now I'm doing that because your eyes talk to your brain, Uh and your eyes tell you this is what's happening. So now, can you physically see your arm, your right arm here? No. Great. So I'm going to take these two classroom rulers. So we're going to train the sensations. You feel the rulers. Okay. So he's like pairing them like that one or that one. one. Okay. Remind that this right hand is your right hand. Right? You are believing that as I drag the ruler on your right hand there. It totally feels. That it is in fact in your brain 
Oh, uh, yeah. Your right hand. It totally feels like my hand. That's crazy. Feel the sensations. <laughs> yeah, line up with each finger. What? <laughs> Whoa, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> now if I just do like a little tap. Uh, okay. And so let's. In your brain. So where? So now, oh wait. So now he feels it. Oh dang. Feel that? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So he feels that. That's crazy. Whoa! Whoa it even that, like. Right? It's not. Oh. Whoa. That's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's not. Oh. Whoa! It even that, like. Right? Fact. Your. Feel that on the phone. Whoa! Yeah. Okay, where's, let's get to the hammer. Right? Okay. And I would never take a hammer and bash your fingers to where they would hurt, right? I hope not. But again, your brain is going to tell you that you're going to feel this when in fact I right? Okay, okay. do it. And we'll start lightly again, okay? Okay. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Very lightly. Here we go. <sighs> so we... Okay. Yeah. All right, there was a big one. Let's see. He's twitching his yeah. hand. Okay, so that, that was the big one. Okay, and then he slams with the yeah. hammer. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's really interesting. Um, I think that's because I think that that really ties into how porn works is like you pretty much project yourself onto the porn's the, you know, the male porn star. It's like you project your penis onto the penis on the screen. And um, I imagine, you know, there's probably, you know, something very, very, like, connected, like, neurologically to what we just saw with him, to, like, what happens with that. And, you know, that's what makes it powerful and compelling, right? And in some ways, I think this is even an even broader phenomenon where we just project ourselves onto any sort of character that we are, you know, observing, you know, like that's what human empathy is. It's kind of like we've got these mirror neurons that allow us to imagine like what other people are feeling and that sort of thing. Um, and this is maybe a little bit different than that. Cause it's just kind of like about your own body ownership or whatever. But, um, I'm just talking more like in a sense that like our brain has the ability to adopt things that are not part of us so that they feel like part of us, right? Like maybe you've had, you followed a sports team or something that you really liked and <clears throat> they suffered a, they suffered a terrible loss and you felt it. it felt like you lost or like they, they won a great big game and you know, you felt like you won. It's like, you didn't do shit. You didn't, you didn't play at all. You acting like this is like your win. You are have 0% responsibility for it. And a lot of times it just like has to do with like, what's, where did you grow up? And so that's the team that you root for or whatever. Um, but we, we still, we kind of take things in like that. And so this happens with the porn thing all the time. And I, I think that this happens uh, in many ways counterproductively, like whether it's with something like porn where you're getting hooked onto someone else's experiences that are often fake and manufactured and whatnot, or uh, I think it even happened like in the political realm where it's like you got this whole tribal thing where it's like someone on your team, they lost. And so now you're angry and you got to go rage about it on Twitter or something like that. Like the big thing, it's kind of ties in what we we're talking about previously with the the Will Smith thing is like you gotta be able to see through the illusion, and it's really easy. You just gotta 
talk to yourself about it. You just have to remind yourself. You just have to tell yourself the truth that, hey, wait a second, um, this isn't real. I'm not feeling this. This person's not there. And for something like specifically like with porn, if you want to break your your addiction to that sort of thing, what you can do is offer a, you play a counter visual in your head. All right. Like when you think about the idea of using porn and you're like a porn addict, um, it sounds great. You just think of all the pleasure. You just think of the the sexy scenes and things like that. And it's like, OK, well, that's one little distorted fantasy view. What if we took a more realistic view? Okay, what would that look like if we wanted a counter vision to pop that porn fantasy bubble? Well, okay, it's like, well, imagine yourself using porn, but zoom the camera back. What do you look like? Where are you sitting? Are you just hunched over with your, you know, hand uh, pants around your ankles, like sweatily beating it while like your veins popping in your forehead, looking at all this crazy crap on the screen? It's like, okay, how does how does that make you feel to see yourself like that? You know, it's that's for most guys, that's a deeply sobering sort of thing. And uh, we can make it even more extreme if we, you know, zoom the camera back further. We, you know, imagine like kind of like the top of your house is cut off and you can see it's like you doing your thing over in the corner like a little gremlin. And then it's like your family going about their life or sleeping. You know, if you got kids, like your kids sleeping in their bed while you're doing this, like that juxtaposition for most guys, it's enough to just obliterate that porn fantasy because that thing is not real it's just something that due to the nature of our biology we can project ourselves into but guess what through a little bit of intentionality you can pull yourself out of it by running a counter visualization and this kind of thing i think is just essential for anyone to learn particularly in today's age where um things are just so engineered to hook your attention so you know keep that in mind like just because we are susceptible to this stuff doesn't mean that we can't build up really strong defenses against it. You know, <clears throat> this is kind of a form of hypnosis, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like you're training him to feel on this hand even though it's his fake hand. But the thing is, if you're not suggestible to that, in other words, if he had just picked up his hand, it would have been clear that this is his hand and his this fake hand is just a fake hand and that's the one that's getting hit yeah. by a hammer. It's like a form of it's, – it's self-delusion. De- but it's voluntary. Yeah, you willing, have to be voluntary. There's a willingness there. Right. It's like you exactly. have to, like, if you want to get indoctrinated, well, you can, but you got to sign up for it. You can say no to this stuff. I just think a lot of people don't even realize what's happening and they don't even know that they can say no, right? That's kind of the whole spirit around this man versus world um, podcast is like, I want you guys to start saying no. Be like, no, I, I don't want to be hypnotized this way, and I'm not going to let you. I'm actually going to think for myself. I'm going to seek out alternative information sources. I'm going to actually focus on my agenda instead of your agenda, and I'm going to stand up for what I believe is right. And it's like that's that's what this is. Is like if you don't go along with it, it doesn't work on you. Bottom line. So the the issue is if not enough of us wake up to this then we're screwed because once there is mass adoption of this, you know, the dopamine industrial complex's agenda, then we're sunk. We're all just going to be, you know, end up as uh, brains and vats that are being harvested for our, our energy. Like the matrix is going to be our reality. And so uh, I don't want that to happen. And hopefully you don't either. All righty. So let's move on here. We got a clip 
Um, that was suggested to us, I believe both of these actually, not only this clip that we just looked at, but also this clip was suggested <coughs> to us from guys in the Discord. And this one is a interview with uh, Carl Benjamin. It was a video by uh, Chris Williamson. And the title of the video is OnlyFans is Destroying Society. Let's take All a look. Right. The way that women, young women, view men is evil. It is purely as a transaction. As in, they are essentially prostitutes, every single one, and they don't even realize it. It's objectification from men to women yeah. and commodification of uh, men from women. You know that meme yeah. of the dog in the house and the house is on fire and he's just smiling through this the beginning of the end? This yeah. is fine. Like, if men don't kill themselves, they're exiting education and society and family life at the highest rates ever. Women are frantically pursuing careers only to discover that they're mm -hmm. unable to find a partner that they're attracted to and then jump on meds at 40 years old. And then the yep. people who want kids can't find a partner that does as well. Birth rates declining, faith in the leaders mm -hmm. and the news organizations non-existent. And everyone's just about sufficiently sedated not to notice or care that it's going on. <laughs> That's a precise and accurate summary of how the West has declined and will collapse, yes. Oof. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a little bit of a brutal one. Um, I think Chris just blackpilled himself with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds like it. Um, yeah, we have this like I know there was more in this this conversation where they were talking about like OnlyFans and how it changes the relationship between men and women, where basically women are taught that men are just it's just like what can they get them? It's like women become trophies for men. And then men become essentially a bank account for women. Um, and that's what it is, this, this exchange. Man gets sex and status if you're hot. And then the woman gets, um, you know, money and resources if you, uh, you know, can provide and whatnot. And this is, on some level, this is the way it's always worked between men and women. Um, but I think it's taken a very deeply dehumanized sort of um, turn recently. I think it's just become far, far grosser because instead of like actually having an, an, another person on the other side of that, that equation with you, um, things like OnlyFans, it allows women to engage in that scenario of like, I give you sexual pleasure and you give me money without ever actually having to interact with them on a human level, right? They're just... They're just faceless people who follow their OnlyFans, right? And then the the flip side of that would be men with porn, right? Same sort of thing. It's like, hey, I get to you know pretend like I'm having sex with you, and my brain releases this all this dopamine and uh, you know this this simulation of a high status event, and I get to feel really good and get this awesome orgasm. Um, and so it's like, but but it's never actually with a real person. Now. I think because that kind of stuff is happening so much, it's that transactional element between men and women, which has always been there, has then become even more intense in the average everyday relationship. Like that's what you know, our Tinder culture has kind of, I think, turned into, uh, even in, in the dating world. And so I think that's, that's screwed up, right? Like it's screwed up that we have this deeply transactional, like, disease that's just festering in our core relationships, you know, our, the, the, the building block of society, the relationship between uh, man and woman. 
and where we want it to be is like, well, what if people actually loved each other again? What if there was actually like real love, real intimacy, real connection? What if like that's what we built things off of? I, I think we can all agree that that's, that's better, but we've just got this deep societal conditioning. It's like, this is what you practice. Then this is what you're going to get. And like prior to only like for, for guys, you know, the porn starts pretty young, like as soon as they hit puberty at this point. And you might be thinking, well, most girls don't have an OnlyFans and they're not doing this kind of stuff. Yes, they are. That's what social media is. They're just doing it for instead of straight up money, they're doing it for likes on their Instagram pictures and their, their TikTok dances right? It's the same shit. It's just you're you're paying them with attention and then they get to be popular and they get people to pay attention to them and all that kind of stuff. And this is what we practice. And so this is what we're going to get. And so, you know, when, when I was watching this clip with you, like we weren't able to find any, um, they weren't putting forth any solution really. And I'm not saying they don't ever anywhere. I just didn't see it. But like, that's, that's where we gotta. We have to have a solution, right? And the solution is to start a new culture. We need a different culture. We need a better culture. We need one where we reject this crap. It's got to happen. And I think men have to lead this charge. Like this is why I keep coming back to the um, quitting porn stuff. It's like in many ways I would like to move beyond quitting porn because there's so much more stuff to talk about. But like this is where it's got to begin because until you can scroll past, you know, the thirst traps in your feed and you stop giving them attention, well, then there's not even going to be an incentive for women to not do that kind of stuff. Like there needs to be a set of men worth pursuing. Right. And I guess you could argue that like, you know, well, women got to do it first. But I don't know. I just think that's that's weak, weak thinking. Like you think like, oh, well, there's no good women left. And so uh, I'm not going to stop watching porn because I would never be able to find a good woman. And it's like, no, you have to be the one who takes the chance. Like that's the way it goes. It's like women, they become they are a product of society. Men produce societies. That's what I think. And maybe that's sexist, but like that generally seems to be a way it goes. And if we want to create a world where true human love can still flourish, I think the men have to lead. They have to be able to rise above this ultra transactional sexual like based degeneracy and create something better, more intimate, more meaningful, more fulfilling. And so from then, women will actually feel more confident in letting this stuff go of like not feeling like they have to, you know, dress like extremely provocatively and, you know, get attention from a million men. Instead, they're like, oh, well, I actually have like a really good guy here who's a high performer. He's a good guy. He's got his shit together. He's mastered himself. You know, he's mastered his sexuality. It's like, I want attention from him and just him. And that's, that's what we, uh, what we got to go for. And so like the, our work is cut out for us, but if we don't do this, if we don't even try, well, we're screwed. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's up to the guys to lead the charge on this. And, you know, we, we all know that, okay, scrolling through TikTok, especially when it's a bunch of thirst traps is, you know, super addicting. But if you think it's not addictive to get a bunch of likes and stuff, <laughs> that's equally as addicting. Like it's a, it's a double-edged sword here, this TikTok game. It's like this weird, um, invirtuous circle <laughs> where it just like perpetuates itself where, you know, the chick posts a thing, but the reason she's posting that is because it's addictive to get a bunch of notifications and the dudes are addicted to scrolling through that crap. Yep. So somebody has to start and I think you're right. It should, it should be the guys. Yep. Otherwise, uh, you know, what are we going to do? It's just 
this is gonna be the this is gonna be how how we fall <laughs> let's dive in here oh okay this is an interesting one so this is a clip that i came across from owen cook and it's called the problem with nine to five jobs let's All jump right, in let's see. In a trap. You remember Star Wars? It's a trap. You remember that? Return of the Jedi? It's a trap. You remember that? You're in a trap. Basically, your employer wants you probably to stay at some derpy mid-level range forever as a His outfit is so next level. He looks like he is just the the Rocco's modern life like graphic designer right here. Do you, I, don't, I don't know if that's that show's too old for you, but it's, dude with the deep yeah. cut. Well, it's just like this like weird like '90s thing. He's still got that pickup style. Uh, he's he, I know he was a like a big pickup artist back in the day. Now he's like more like self motivational and stuff. But he's got that peacocking down to a science. But anyway, on with what he's saying. He does. <laughs> Tanner would be proud. Hog in their machine. So you're working every last bit of energy that you have for your employer. There's nothing wrong with that. They've done nothing immoral. But if you choose to stay there, you're stuck. Why is it that we struggle so much to, to break out of that rut? Because you go to work, you, you wake up, you shower, you go to work, or maybe do it remotely <laughs> in this stupid day and age. Then what winds up happening is you burn all your energy hey, at work, probably me. doing something. What? Or if you're remote. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey. <laughs> soul sucking then you come home and you've got maybe four hours you probably want to go to the gym you probably want to read you probably want to look at the internet you probably want to watch something on tv and your day is done so how are you ever going to break out of that you can't that's why younger people are more likely to break out of it because they don't have the bills the kids the responsibilities once you get older you have so much more to lose in a okay so so he's basically like maybe he's got more to this i assume he would um but uh let's be honest here like that's that is the way it is right it's like you put all your energy into work and or school or whatever it is that you're doing and so let's say you hate it by the end of the day you're shot and you don't want to do anything about it you know you just you're just you're just flat you're unable to create the the momentum necessary to really make a shift and this sucks i've, I've been stuck like this before um uh, like back when I was doing software engineering, I really struggled to try and do anything other than that because I had a super long commute. It was like anywhere between, you know, an hour and a half to two hours each way. Um, and then trying to work out on top of that, it's like I was I was done. I couldn't I couldn't like build a coaching business or anything like that. I had to actually quit first. And luckily I had the um, you know, the the backing of people in my life who supported me during that process. But if I didn't I would have had to scrape and scrimp and save, and then I was would have been in a super big hot seat. Like, so if you don't have that kind of support, like, it's much more difficult, right? But at the same time, then it's like, well, what are you going to do? You're just going to live this crappy life your whole life? You're just not going to try? It's like, don't you want to be living a life that you really like? Of course you do. But what you're going to do, right? Because you're you're stuck. You're stuck in an energy trap. And I think. The key to this is like like first and foremost is you need to get a really burning desire. And I've talked about this before, but it's just worth repeating. It's like you have to be looking at your dissatisfaction. You cannot just be numbing it. You cannot just be um, you know chasing it all away with porn and video games and TV and internet because that dissatisfaction, that's actually your power source because that's the thing. If you sit with it, it's going to give you motivation. It's going to give you power to do something about your situation. So you have to stop escaping. 
That's going to make your life worse at first because then you're going to have to feel the shittiness that you're in. And then the first place that I think you should put that energy into is changing your sleep schedule so that more of your free time happens before you go to work instead of after. And if you can do that, like, you know, if you've got kids, this is something I'm literally doing right now. It's like when my daughter goes to bed, I pretty much go to bed right after. And the reason, like, she goes to bed at, like, you know, 7.38. And that's so that I can get up early. And I haven't been perfect with it because uh, it's tough to do. But I got, I got to right now because things are just, you know, crazy with where things are at right now in my life. And so this is, might be what you have to do. And, and that that shift, while it's difficult and uncomfortable, what it does is that it gives you energy in the morning before you're drained. It's like you can make sure that you always have an hour or, you know, even just half an hour every morning that you can put toward just thinking, figuring out what's your plan, what's your scheme to get out of this. And then if you can, you know, finagle a little bit more, you get an hour to two hours even before you have work. Well, then guess what? Like that's something that can really be banked and added up over time and uh, turned into something. It can be turned into a new path. But I just don't think you can do it late at night. I guess some people have in, in the world. I'm sure some people have. They've, they've done it that way. But I think it's much easier if you can put your best energy right when you wake up into that kind of thing. And so uh, that's the only way I really know that, that recommend I would re- the way I would recommend getting out of this trap. <clears throat> Alrighty, guys, I got one more thing for you today. So scrolling through Reddit, uh, this this guy, he's, he's dealing with some chronic uh, procrastination here. He, he he actually said, I have been unable to do homework all week, and while I know my brain will go, oh, hey, deadline, I can start this at 8 p.m., I need to start it now because I have more crap than four hours of effing off will allow. So, mm. Mark, what would you suggest to somebody like this? Because I know we've probably all fallen into this at some point. Right, right. And so this kind of stuff is something that uh, people definitely struggle with regularly. It's like, how do I get myself to get started? I'm supposed to just start this thing. I think one of the first issues, um, you know, for someone who wants to be highly productive is you got got to make sure you have the right plan. Because like most people, they just got crappy advice. Like this one is just like, start with one small thing, find the smallest part of the project and do it. And just do it, just do it, just start it and do it. Ah, yeah. And this is the most upvoted comment. Okay. Um, this whole start with the smallest thing, Okay, that's not that's not bad advice. But the just do it, just do it, just do it, okay? That doesn't that doesn't solve anything for someone. It's like if you know how to do it, if you can get yourself to just do it, you wouldn't be in this situation to begin with, right? Basically, when someone is saying this, <laughs> what they're saying is grind against yourself and get really upset. And, go, and it's just like, oh, wait. So my whole strategy for getting better in life is to just like induce high amounts of internal pressure. That's your plan? It's like, no wonder people don't make progress because you do that for a while. It sucks. It drains you. It makes you not like life. It makes you not like yourself because you basically have to become a bully to yourself. And this is something I talk about with like this whole discipline versus devotion concept. Um, Yeah, it's like, um, you know, another person saying, talking about doing prep work before real work. Again, not bad, but it doesn't really solve the thing. Um, Here's what here's what I think you need to do. If you really want to activate, the fundamental thing that you need to do is play a better mental commercial. That's the most important thing. The reason why you don't want to do the thing is because when you think about doing the thing, either consciously or unconsciously, a shitty commercial plays. 
It's like you think about doing the homework and you just think, oh, there's me struggling with these math problems or, oh, there's me getting lost or, oh, there's me just reading this super boring thing. And your, your brain imagines that and then it produces the subsequent feelings of aversion. And then you don't want to do it. And for most guys, this visualization kind of happens beneath the surface and they just feel the feeling of resistance. But like you can tune into it. You can find it. You just got to look at it. It's like, oh, what's the commercial I'm playing that's producing this emotion? And you can find it. And what you need to do is make a better commercial, right? Like you have to sell yourself, okay? And you can. You can sell yourself. All you got to do is imagine, well, what are the benefits I stand to gain from this? What if this was actually enjoyable? What if you like pictured yourself like sitting down, uh, you know, all cozy with some music on with a nice cup of tea, just like, you know, steadily working through your math problems like it was like an interesting puzzle, okay? What if you, you know, we're thinking about, oh, what is what does this degree help me do? Oh, I want to become more like educated in literature. There's a lot of value in that. If like you got a book to read or whatever. Build a commercial that resonates with you. Find a way to look at this task that you're doing um, as something that actually fits with you. It's something that you want. And when you can figure out and visualize it like that, guess what's gonna follow? your emotions and you're going to actually want to start doing it. It's going to be, there's going to be way, way, way less resistance. In fact, uh, one technique that you can use that I developed is like, imagine yourself already in the midst of the act. Imagine like, oh, what if I was doing my, what if I was doing this thing and loving it? What would that feel like? What would that look like? Imagine that you are that person and, and, and start feeling gratitude for being that person. And for whatever reason, when you think about it like that, it's so easy to activate. It's basically, it's like you're tapping into the frequency of like someone who's, you know, locked in positively to that activity. You're tapping into that frequency. You're tuning your your brain to it. And then once it's tuned in, then your body kind of just follows along. It's kind of like, oh, we're tapped into the right radio signal and it's going to, you know, guide us to actually creating that reality in us. So say it again, it's like you imagine what it would feel like if you were already fully in that thing. So this is what I do when I'm trying to get myself out of bed in the morning. That's where I struggle the most with activation, especially when I'm getting up early, like I was talking about previously, is like, I don't think about, oh, you got to get out of bed. Oh, just get out. Uh, you know, push yourself. Blah. No, I imagine myself already fully dressed, sitting with like, you know, a cup of tea, like deep in like the work that I love. I imagine myself doing that and I imagine that I already am that guy and I feel gratitude for it. And then for whatever reason, my body just like, oh, is that what we're programmed to do? That's what we're doing. And then my body just like goes and tries to align itself with that good vision. Um, and it takes a little while sometimes to really build that commercial up when I'm a little groggy in the morning. But you can do this with anything. Find the state you want to be in. Imagine it. Build a commercial for it and then go for it right? Um, I could do a whole course on this kind of stuff, but just start playing around with this because this is the sort of thing that's going to make a, a real difference other than this horrible, not horrible, not horrible advice, but just advice that's really just going to leave you grinding against yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's see here. So we, I think we pretty much covered everything. There was um, one more thought I wanted to share with you guys. What I wanted to talk about is just something that I've, I've noticed with um, anxiety and stress 
and a lot of times even just resistance with things. Um, just a, a little bit of a framework. Like if you're trying to – like if you've got something that you're really worried about or you've got something that you're feeling a lot of aversion to, um, yes, the mental commercial stuff is really powerful. But there's another way that we can look at this, like beyond just giving ourselves more positive mental commercials about the thing we're trying to do. Usually what's going on is that there's some level of repression going on. If you are repressing some reality or some potential reality, then that's where most of our resistance and anxiety comes from. And so what we got to do if we want to be in a state where we are free, we're full of peace, we're motivated, we're aligned, and we're not just like gears grinding on the inside is we have to be able to just keep a keep our attention right in here. And as soon as we start feel stuff grinding, we got to ask ourselves, what reality or potential reality am I fighting against right now? What reality or potential reality am I telling myself, oh, that is not okay, or that would make you not okay? So if we do the example of the guy who's got to you know, make a presentation or something like that, <clears throat> he's feeling a lot of resistance around it. And we start. To, he tries to make do a positive mental commercial where he imagines himself doing it well, and you know the benefit he would get if he nails this presentation. Um, and it's just not working. There's something that's still not clicking. Usually, that's because there's he's repressing uh, some potential outcome. So maybe he's afraid of not knowing what to say in the presentation and facing the blank paper. Okay, in that case, he's got to accept that. He's like, listen, I don't know what I'm going to say. And as soon as you accept that reality, you can say, well, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to maybe just brainstorm a little bit. I'll spend a few minutes brainstorming. All of a sudden, you're going to feel less resistance. Maybe he's afraid of, you know, what, what people would say about it. Okay. You know, the worst case scenario is that his boss hates it. And so he's, he's, he's repressing that potential reality where there's still, you know, he knows objectively there's some percentage chance that his boss just doesn't like what he does. And so... What if instead of running from that reality and trying to push it out of his head and tell himself no, he says, well, okay, that is a potential reality. What, what would happen if I accepted that? Okay, well, you know, would I be okay if my boss didn't like this or my teacher didn't like this presentation? Well, how would I be okay? What would I have to do? Well, could I talk to him about it afterward? Could I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like usually even in the process of doing this, you realize, okay, maybe that's not even the, a high level potential here. Maybe that's not even likely and you start feeling better. The The key here is like you got to look at what you're afraid at. Or you got to look at what you are afraid of because if you don't do that, if you start trying in your brain because you've got some kind of emotional motivation to start trying to push certain potentials away because they're scary, because they don't feel good, that it's like it's creating these dark spots in your psyche and because of that, the energy stops flowing through your whole unit properly. You start feeling, you know, you know, all all bound up and stuff. It's kind of like, you know, if you look at a, you imagine like an old mechanical clock. It's got all these gears fitting together that all have to move together. If you just go in there and start pulling out gears, it's just going to stop working, right? And that's essentially what we do when we let our fears lead us to repress potential outcomes. It's like... Um, this guys do this all the time when it comes to approaching women. It's like, Oh, uh, I feel all this anxiety. Why? Cause you're, you're trying to 
eliminate the possibility that the woman would reject you because you're afraid of that possibility? What if you already accepted that that was a possibility and you already made peace with it? Well, then at that point, it's not nearly as scary because, you know, you're living in reality, not fighting against it. And it's not even reality as it is. It's reality as it could be, right? So you still have the power to try and move everything in the direction that you want. And this is why you got to learn how to hold that hope, hold that optimism. But holding hope and optimism is not the same thing as repressing negative potentials. So hopefully this kind of thinking is useful to you because uh, the more I examine my own feelings, the more I, I look at my own negative emotions that come up, there's almost always some form of repression going on. There's some reality that I don't want to look at, some thought, some fear, some outcome that I'm treating like the boogeyman and I'm saying, stay away. Oh, I don't want that. But as soon as I actually bring it closer, I look at it, I accept it, I find out how I'd be okay if things did go that way or uh, sometimes it's just how things are and I accept it. Oh, this is the game I'm playing. How do I want to respond? As soon as I do that, so much of the negative emotion just disappears. Um, And this is what really taking ownership of your reality looks like. It means taking ownership of all the reality, not trying to hide from any of it, present or potential in the future. And if you do that, well, then uh, you get less bound up. You're not so resistant. You're not feeling so much negative energy. And it's a lot easier to make progress toward the things you do want. So hopefully you found that useful. What did you think of that, Pete? That's super helpful. And you know... There's, I took a a speech class one time and the professor said, before you go up and present to the class, give yourself permission to fail, to mess up, to make mistakes, to say words wrong, to do all of it. Because when you give yourself permission to do it, you stop fighting against doing it. So you actually loosen up quite a bit. And it's kind of interesting. It's counterintuitive, but it's kind of along the similar lines of what you're saying. Yeah, and to be clear, this is not saying that we're aiming for failure or we're lowering our sights or, or like trying to manifest failure or anything like that. Like some no. people, they do do that. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to fail. So, you know, I might as well just lean into that failure and just like not give a crap. You know, that's the person. What they're doing is they're repressing their potential for success. They're afraid of success because, right. you know, if they take success off the table, then, oh, that feels better. Oh, it's not even an option for me, so who cares, right? It's like, no, we're saying accept it all. Accept your potential for success. Accept all the good in your life, but also accept your potential for failure and also accept all the stuff in your life you don't like. Accept it all. And it's only from there, from that fully – filled in picture of reality, will you be able to make the best decisions about where you should go? Otherwise, there's going to be these massive dark spots in your vision and your brain just projects, you know, tigers and monsters and boogeymen into all those black spots. So it's like, you know, shine the light on them, see what's there. And it's never as scary as the thing that you imagine is there. That's so true. Yeah. That's an important distinction to make as well. All right, my friends. So I think that's pretty much what we have for you today. Um, Yeah, another great one in the books. Hopefully you're enjoying this podcast. I know I am. Um, You can follow us on social media. What are we doing? We're we're blowing up on TikTok, everybody. Uh, Don't use the app, but if you do use the app, make sure you follow us there. I'm not trying to get anyone to go to that app. It's a horrible place. I try to... If you watch this show, you should not have a TikTok account. Right, exactly. But if you are, if you are one of those special degenerates, um, (laughs) make sure you follow us on there. Um, We're also on Instagram and... uh, 
what's the other one? Are you on the, oh, I guess just use tube. So um, hopefully you guys are not using any of those apps. Um, but if you are, <laughs> drop a follow. And then uh, we'll, we got some more stuff coming for you guys here really soon that will provide hopefully. It's going to be nice when we have our own yes. app. Yeah. You know, and then we can just do say, that instead of these, you know, screw these, all these crappy other ones. ones. Right. Exactly. It'll be dignified dopamine that works for you rather than I against you. So that's in the pipeline. But until then, ooh, yeah, everybody. And I'll see you all in the next one.